I'm Melissa Thomas-Hunt, and I'm here with Barbara Byrne, Vice Chairman of Investment Banking at Barclays. In 2016, American banker named Barbara the second most powerful woman in finance. Additionally, she's widely known as being a fierce advocate for diversity in the industry. Barbara, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. So I mentioned that you are an advocate for diversity, but in reality, that really doesn't do justice to all the work that you've done. Can you tell us a little bit about your efforts in the area? Well, diversity for me is the lifeblood of creativity, and, and in the world of finance that I live in, creativity is essential for competitiveness. So I always look at a situation, and the situation in finance is there are fewer women in finance than other industries. So what can I do to hire women, bring them in, nurture them, sponsor them? What can I also do with respect to bringing the other into the room? So as opposed to all men, all women, people from various backgrounds, how do we bring them in together to circle around a problem? So I've done a number of things to enlist the support of management, clients, universities, mm -hmm. anything that brings us all to the middle. Mm -hmm. And I tend to challenge uh, quite a bit. Pe most people who know me know that I tend to be a little bit of a grenade roller. And how's that been received in this as you advance diversity? Well, occasionally you get blown up when you roll <laughs> grenades, but uh, it's been received overall well. If you use humor and you say, well, what would you want? How do we go about thinking about this? What's in the best interest of our clients? You know, today about a third of all U.S. corporate uh, treasurers are female. So that has changed the way in which people think about the client. Absolutely. And so it creates that, when you get that diversity, it becomes a market mechanism that creates the necessity. Our clients become diverse. We need to be diverse and to focus in on how we deliver the best of all of us. The world's changed a lot. I've been in this industry since 1980. It is a very different industry than it was in 1980. Well, so that makes sense because not only have you focused on getting more women and keeping them in investment banking, but more broadly you've been focused on women in leadership and in particularly really advocating to get more investment in women-led firms particularly those with yes. um, CEOs that are women and that have 25% of their board seats uh, devoted uh, that are for women. Um, so w when you founded, when you launched the Barclays Women in Leadership Index, mm -hmm. what were you hoping to achieve? Uh, the Women in Leadership Index is a trading index. We wanted something that was a live, dynamic measurement of how companies that had a uh, significant financial, significant performance mm -hmm. and significant investment in women. So a woman CFO, a woman CEO, or a 25% of the board being female were two of the criteria that we used in addition to a certain market size. And it should be 100 companies because it's an S&P 500 index. It will escape no one's attention that it is not 100 mm -hmm. companies because 100 companies don't exist mm -hmm. within those industry sectors for that criteria. I wanted to highlight that. I wanted to focus on the performance of those companies. There are many uh, time series studies that exist say, well, more women create better results, but most of those are historical. Mm -hmm. I wanted, or a regression analysis, mm -hmm. outcome input. I wanted it to be live. So I can tell you that the S&P, that the Women in Leadership Index, it has outperformed by 200 basis points, the S&P 500. Wow. So what does that tell you? It tells you that 
women's companies, that the influence of diversity in these industry sectors have outperformed the overall market. So when you initially proposed this, um, and I'm sure it was way before 2014 yes. when it actually launched, what was the reaction? Nobody wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. They thought it was a waste of time. Uh, then we have something called the Social Innovation Facility, which I chair, which is a certain set-aside sum of money that can be used to invest in products or pro- programs or proposals mm-hmm. that are business-related but have serve a social purpose where the returns might be lower than they otherwise might be. In other words, we underwrote the cost of development yeah. of the product, and then any profits that came from the product would go to the groups that actually developed it. It was amazing how that actually took down all the walls of problems. Wow. It's like, oh, okay. And then we got the traders together with the researchers and the lawyers and the markets people, and we gave them the potential of the, of the possible. We can do this. We can create something. It took us 18 months. It was a lot of excitement and frustration along the way, but the entire team was there at the New York Stock Exchange ringing the bell when we launched the product. It was great fun. That sounds like such a wonderful endeavor. Yeah, it was fun. Such value. And and it highlights because Wall Street measures. Yeah. And so give them something to measure. That's fantastic. That really is a success story. So... We know that Barclays is a British firm. Um, And so I'd love for you to share a little bit about reactions to Brexit as it's unfolding. Well, Brexit was a shock for all of us, and Barclays is indeed a British firm. It's 327 years old. So it's endured a lot of shocks, far worse than (laughs) Brexit, (laughs) as you can imagine. And actually, the history of Barclays is it's a Quaker roots. It's a Quaker firm. And uh, it's a firm that is essentially tries to make things better. Mm. So mm. Brexit was a shock. I could tell you that uh, we react quickly. Markets react quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think the UK is it's our home market. Mm-hmm. It's the financial lungs of Europe. Mm-hmm. That Brexit's more a political statement than a financial statement. Mm-hmm. Although there will be financial consequences, mm-hmm. but. You know, we will adjust. Uh, The U.K. will remain our principal market. I think it says more to what's going on in the world that you see a Brexit. You see a very big change in the United States with the election. You see what's occurring right now in France, potentially Germany. Uh, Change, frustration. You've actually said in the past that you think that Brexit is part of this global trend of rising populist frustration. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about, you know, if you put an investment banking lens on that, what does that really mean? Well, putting an investment banking lens on what is anger, Mm -hmm. and that anger is is frustration, is there hasn't been enough growth. Mm -hmm. The uh, financial crisis was in 2008. And we actually now are arriving at a moment we're beginning to see that growth. Just beginning. The U.S. is the strongest because it's the largest. It isn't the largest market overall. Actually, Europe as a whole is. But the U.S. uh, systems actually corrected course in terms of restructuring of the banks faster than the overall Europeans did. So you're at a point right now where people think should be getting better, and they are getting better for certain parts of the population, but not for others. So the sense of being left behind. Uh, So part of it is growth. Mm -hmm. Part of it is technology. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the real threat of what does it mean now that we have 
technologies that can totally replace even white-collar, high-end white-collar jobs. Mm-hmm. But change is, it's not just change, it's the pace of change. But if you could suddenly get, instead of 1.5% GDP growth, mm-hmm. 3% growth, that type of investment, it would immediately change the way in which people would begin to feel. There would be jobs, there'd be that point. So it's all about growth and focus. And Brexit's part of that. Um, it's a rebellion against the other. Mm-hmm. And when people feel that they might be losing ground, they can otherize almost anyone or anything. It's human nature. It's not our best attribute. Absolutely. So if, if, those, if individuals didn't feel as though that they were falling further behind, That's right. we might see less of this around the globe. Right. And when you're in a growth economy, when things are growing, uh, that, that's when opportunities are presented to how do you foster that growth. In a, in a main way, that's why with the election we had in the United States, uh, you suddenly had this immense pop uh, in the stock market. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was a waiting for an opportunity of change of infrastructure, mm-hmm. corporate tax restructuring, mm-hmm. many of the things that have been proposed for the last eight years. Yes. So maybe yes. somebody wants us to do something. We'll <laughs> to take some action, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> or try. And, but, you know, really focusing in on things that allow capital to move forward. The markets right now are in, pre- companies are, uh, are investing again. But it's also a natural healing. If you look back at uh, financial collapses that were precipitated by banking crisis, mm-hmm. uh, the one most similar to what we saw in 2008 was in 1907. And mm-hmm. it took about 10 years for a natural kind of healing. And there's also a tremendous behavioral bias in there as well, where people start to invest at a particular time. So given where we are, um, and I want to focus a little bit on our, our Darden students, yes. many of whom go into investment banking, mm-hmm. but not all of, of whom do. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about why is this a particularly exciting time for new graduates to go into investment banking, including those that historically may not have been represented, like women and underrepresented minorities? Well, it is the best time to come into investment banking. Times of chaos, times of change are times of opportunity. And I love the industry, and I was one of the first women in the industry. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of arrows in my back, you know, a lot of holes, yeah. because that's yeah. what you do when you're a pioneer. But it's been great fun. And finance, if you like numbers... And if you're in business school, you have to at least have, have a passing familiarity with them. <laughs> a little right. bit. And so it's all, it's telling me a story. What's going on in the world of politics today? How yeah. do we bring that to life? How do we deal with artificial intelligence? Um, it's an industry that knows finance, that we need more people, mm-hmm. more diversity at the table, more women in very senior level positions. And I'm willing to fight for that. I'm willing to challenge ourselves. So I believe that the next 20 years will be a tremendous opportunity. I can already see the changes in the last 20, which I know for your students will say, wait a minute, I was in <laughs> first grade. You know, but it, is, but it is incredibly moment in time, an incredible moment in time for us to think about that type of investment. So come learn. Learn how the markets interact. Be able to say, well, this is what happened in the UK. When the Brexit happened, the pound went from 152 down to 124, proving economics, what happens, their exports. You know, mm-hmm. What happens to the European Union? Um, why is the euro trading the way it's trading? What's going to happen in China? What about Africa? 
right? How big is the market? So emerging markets, what happens with currencies? You can become so fluid and you continue to work in an environment where you're surrounded as you are here at Darden by really smart, fun, and engaged people. And that, to me, has always been fun. I, I, I... 62 years old, so I am beyond vintage. I'm this antique oh. on Wall Street. I mean, we have 70% of our professionals are young, yeah. right? Yeah. So they're millennials. Right. And they're a great challenge and a great, wonderful opportunity. I, I see them as a great gift uh, to challenge an industry that needs to be challenged, mm. that needs to become better. And I view it as I'm going to get younger. <laughs> If I could turn back the clock 25 years, you've, it, you've made me want to go into investment banking. Barbara, it's been such a delight having you here to chat with me. I really appreciate it. And I know that everyone is really going to enjoy your well, insights. Well, I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much for having me. 